0: Although it was an experience that happened in the life of my family and I, it's something that I didn't know that I needed, but I needed it, and it was like, you still see me. You are my sanctuary. You are a safe place for me to run to, no matter what the case.
1: You are listening to the Christian Music Archive Podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Music Archive podcast. So, how has the first month of 2022 been for you? It's been a pretty tumultuous ride for a lot of people. I think specifically of people who have passed away, famous people like Sidney Poitier, Bob Saget, Meatloaf, and Louis Anderson. In the Christian music circles, we lost Jay Weaver, the bass player for Big Daddy Weave. And just this week, I had a co-worker who lost his son-in-law. And much closer to home for me, I lost my dad after years of battling Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, I can hear you saying, this is a pretty depressing way to start a podcast, Dave. And I guess I can see that, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, death takes on a whole new meaning. Because the end of life on earth for the believer is actually more of a graduation to bigger and better things. Closing your eyes in death here on earth is the beginning of new life in eternity with God. And to me, that is something worth celebrating. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing the loss and sadness that we experience here on earth. When people pass, there's a hole left in our lives, and it is good and healthy to mourn that loss. But at the same time, our loved ones who have a relationship with Jesus are made healthier and happier than they have ever been. So why am I opening today's podcast with these kinds of thoughts? Well, my guest today shares some stories about loss and difficulty that she has been through. While she was in the midst of those losses, life seemed pretty hopeless. But Abby shares how she recognized that even during our worst moments, God is still providing. We probably won't understand why we need to go through these times, but we can rest assured that God is there. He is our sanctuary, and he is going to help us grow through those experiences. Before our conversation today, I want to tell you about another exciting Mercy, Inc. program. Starfish Kids is a child sponsorship and development program in the northern part of Haiti. Students in 30 schools are sponsored each month for $25 a month. That money pays for tuition and books so that the students can get a Christian education. And in addition to school, students are also attending church and a lot of times the entire family will attend too. That $25 a month contribution also helps pay to train and retain teachers. Now this really surprised me. A well-trained teacher in Haiti makes about 1,800 Haitian goud a month. That's about $20 a month in US currency. That's just crazy. Starfish Kids would love to support and train more kids and add additional schools to the ones they're already working with. I'd like to encourage you to sponsor a girl or a boy today through the great work of Starfish Kids. And you can learn more by visiting mercycompassion.org and clicking on the Child Sponsorship link. That's mercycompassion.org, and thanks for making a difference for a child today. On today's podcast, I get to introduce you to Abby Robertson. Abby released her first album just about a year ago, but she is no stranger to music. Not only did she have a brief stint in country music, but she's also had the opportunity to open for a number of country acts and even shared the stage with the Beach Boys. But what I really appreciate about Abby is her transparency in telling her story. Even though she grew up in the church, she had a lot of doubts and frustrations, tough relationships, and a medical crisis with her dad caused her to have lots of questions. But through it all, she points to God's faithfulness in seeing her and providing what she needed. And I'm excited to share her story with you today. So join me in welcoming to the podcast, Abby Robertson. Welcome, Abby.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm literally so excited, honestly.
1: Let's start a little bit by getting to know uh, who you are. Let's do kind of a real popcorn, real quick answer kind of thing. For sure. Help people know who you are. Uh, Where were you born, Abby?
0: I was born in Chesapeake, Virginia, or you know, we say Virginia Beach because nobody knows where Chesapeake is.
1: Okay. Uh, what was your favorite band growing up?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. My favorite band. I know it's not CCM, but I love the Rolling Stones oh, like a go. lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to Rolling Stones earlier today. No kidding.
0: They're so good.
1: What about your favorite band now?
0: Uh, I would still say the Rolling still Stones. Still say the
1: Rolling Stones, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: I went and saw them in concert in 2019, and I was so blown away. I know their music's a little out there, but their performance was insane. And I was like, for some older men, that's that's the performer right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food?
0: Oh, I love wontons.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I've not had that answer I know, that's before. So, so-
0: Really? Yeah. I know I feel like people say like oh pizza or chips or something like that but Costco has this massive bag of wontons and I could literally eat every single one of them.
1: <laughs> All in one setting?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and then be very like regretful afterwards.
1: <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Um do do you have any pets?
0: I do. I have a golden doodle. Uh, uh, his name is Chance. He literally is my best friend. I know people say that, but like this dog has just brought so much joy and so much excitement into my life. And he is being bored right now because I'm about to go on the road and mm-hmm. I miss him dearly. But Chance, he is with us. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to
1: ask if you ever take Chance on the road with you.
0: I haven't. I hope that, you know, in the future yeah. maybe uh, I'll get to bring him, but I know I got to be respectful of everybody else and not everyone loves dogs like me, so. <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah. Well, and for those of you who are not understand uh, not knowing this, we're get- we're talking right before Winter Jam starts and you are on the Winter Jam tour. That's huge.
0: Uh it it hasn't it hit me I think this morning and I was like I need to start packing because Uh, it's the 30th of December right now, and we technically will be leaving Nashville on the 5th of January. And for me, I'm like, I got to get my life together because then (laughs) I'll be gone technically for three months, you know?
1: And so this is going to, this is the Eastern run of Winter Jam. So folks, if you're on the Eastern half of the country and Winter Jam's rolling through, you got to jump out and see Abby in concert. She's going to be part of the pre-show, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) So how, so how did that whole thing come about? I mean, that sounds like a killer opportunity.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, so the other pre-jam artist is a label mate of mine and okay. I'm just so excited because they're on my bus. So it's literally going to be just a family atmosphere, but I will never forget it. Um, my dear friends, uh, they also are people that work with me. They, they we went and got dinner and we went to my car afterwards and they were being really weird. And I was like, why do you want to get in my car? It's raining. Like go to your cars. <laughs> they're like, no, like we have to talk to you. And I was like, okay, like I'm really nervous now. <laughs> and, um, my manager was sitting in the front seat and then my two other friends were in the back and they kind of just looked at me and they're like, we have something to tell you. And I was like, what is this? Like, what's going on? And they're like, you're going to be on winter jam. And I was like, what? And it kind of just like things don't hit me until after the fact. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, really? And they were like, <laughs> yeah. They just looked at me and they're like, that's not the reaction we were looking for. And then I think maybe three days later, I was like, guys, we're going on Winter Jam. <laughs> it had to set in for a little bit. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it's so surreal. I grew up going to Winter Jam and. I remember sitting up at the like the nosebleed section mm-hmm. and I would go with my youth group and I verbatim literally remember telling this girl, I was like, that's going to be me someday.
2: Wow. And
0: yeah, and I am covered in goosebumps right now saying that. <laughs> um, and I just think it's really cool how God orchestrates things and works things out because I mean, I was probably 16, 15, 14, something like okay. that. I'm 22 now. And it's just so weird to see like, god working yeah. all the time yeah. even when it doesn't make sense he's working i know Waymaker is like a popular song but like that's such a true thing yes. like even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it, you're working and for a little kid to be saying that i like yeah. what that is like my pinch me moment you know oh,
1: yeah yeah well i was yeah. gonna say you know looking back on my life i can see how this experience formed the second experience formed the third experience to get me to where i am today so let's, yeah. let's rewind the tape, and let's go yes. back to Virginia Beach, and you're a, yeah. you're a kid in Virginia Beach. Let's talk about your growing up years. Was music part of your life from the yeah. very, very beginning?
0: Oh, man. So my life story is just kind of all over the place, but um, I knew I always wanted to do music. Okay. Um, I feel like that's a very standard answer. Everyone's like, oh, I grew up in church and singing, and that is true, Um but I gravitated towards music because I'm dyslexic. Hmm. And I had a really hard time reading. And my mom, I love her to death. She wanted to protect me from getting bullied. And she started pulling me in and out of schools when people would find out that I was, you know, special. Yeah. And she finally found a school and they taught everything through music. Really? And so I, yeah, so strange. I mean, like, I don't know how the woman found it, but she did it. Um, and I. I honestly I'm a little faker because I don't know what I'm reading but I learned how to sing everything Mm -hmm. and I would just like take a picture of the word even though it was kind of scattered but if I knew how to sing it I knew how to read it and then it became street smart so like I wouldn't know what a word was but I would understand enough to be like I think common sense I think this word fits there and then no one actually knew that I had a reading disability um and again that's a god thing I don't know how he shielded me from all of that but that ended up happening and um, you know I remember singing at my kindergarten graduation and I loved it and I think it might have been my first grade um, first grade year we made a what I want to be when I grow older book thing mm-hmm. and I look back at it now I put a single out um, February 12th and we, my mom had like a release party for me and some friends to come over, and she brought this book with her from Virginia, and she was like, "I just want to show you this. I don't know if you remember it." And so she flips in this first grade book, and it gets to me, and I'm on stage, and I have red hair, and then there's a girl next to me with pink hair, and there's some guy playing drums next to me, and in this book it said, "When I get older, I want to make music and sing songs about God." Wow. I I was like six as a like,
1: kindergartner. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it maybe younger, five. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it just is one of those moments again, like I have always felt like the Lord was calling me to this. And even when I didn't understand why, I just was like, you know what? I feel like this is where God wants me to go yeah. and I'm going to trust that he's going to make the way for yeah. it. And um, yeah, so all of that to say. Love music. That's a little bit of the background.
1: Well, I'm always stunned about how amazing music is because, you know, you hear people like Mel Tillis, or um, uh, there's other people who have terrible stutter and yet they sing beautifully. Or here in your situation, it helped you with your communication and reading and all that stuff. Music reaches a place that other things just can't reach. Yeah. And it's cool to see how God used that for you.
0: It's so cool, honestly, and I mean, too. Um, I used to do missions work, and music is like the universal thing that brings people together. Yes. And although I remember I was in the Dominican Republic, and I did learn "How He Loves" in Spanish, but I was singing it in English to start. And I remember these people; they did not speak English, but they were singing those words, and I was mm. like, "It's just so crazy because, like, they don't—they know what I'm saying." Mm-hmm. and we're singing songs to God, and it's just like, I don't know. It's so strange to me how it ties everybody together and yeah. how music is a healing thing and how I just feel like music is so much more than what we think it is.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people yeah. talk about, um, you know, why should the devil have all the good music, that song that Larry Norman did. Well, God <laughs> yeah. created music in the beginning, and it was, Correct. you know, torn apart and used for other things by the devil. But yeah, music is part of God's language to us. And I think he yeah. sings to us a lot more than we may think.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: So that was your, uh, were you, did you pick up an instrument? Were you playing guitar or piano or were you just singing your heart out?
0: Yeah. So yeah. I was singing my heart out and then finally, you know, recorder in elementary school. I remember those I don't days. don't consider yep. that an instrument. Well, why not? <laughs> you got to know the notes. I, I think it's because it's like a forced thing. Like you have mm. to learn it. Um but, you know, we'll give credit where credit's due. It's still an instrument. Um, I think I was 12, and I will never forget it. My grandpa, for Christmas, brought over a red guitar, mm. and he handed it to me, and he's like, Merry Christmas. And I was like, I don't know how to play this thing. Yeah. Like, what do you expect me to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> I was 12 years old, and he was like, we'll figure it out. And um, I got lessons. I started taking guitar lessons, and I wanted to be a – one more than a one trick pony kind Mm, of thing mm -hmm, and so i was like i'm gonna pick up piano and that lasted all of like five days maybe (laughs) and i feel so bad for the piano instructor i'm sure she wanted to hit me (laughs) like i it just wouldn't pay attention um and guitar just stuck Mm -hmm. like there's just something about it um back in virginia there's this thing called a local legend and his name is lewis mcgee and um he plays all these gigs around town. And like, if you told people you're taking lessons from him, like you were cool. Oh, okay. He just so happened to be my next door neighbor. And so like such a fun thing. He would hit me up like on snow days and be like, Hey, like me and the wife are jamming. Do you want to come over and play guitar with us? And I was like, yeah, cool. that's so fun. And uh, he taught me how to play. So I owe all of that to him. Cause the man can, he can shred. Yeah, <laughs> He can really shred. Oh, yeah. very
1: cool. How, how God yeah. placed again another God placement next to this guy yeah. who was amazing that had time yeah. to teach. Yeah,
0: it was so crazy. I mean, after school, I would just pick up my guitar and I would be like, "Okay, four thirty, I'll be over there." And I would just walk down to his house, and my mom would text me and be like, "Dinner's ready. Where are you?" And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, we're
1: jamming." <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked a little bit earlier about you know going to church and being yeah. part of your youth group and going to winter jam as a as a teen. Um, let's talk about your spiritual story because. I, I yeah. really enjoy hearing people share their testimony because they're yeah. all unique and individual, but it shows how God loves us so deeply that he reaches us individually. So Correct. where was it? I mean, you grew up hearing about Jesus, but where was it? What was the time that you said, okay, this is a relationship that I need to have with God personally?
0: Wow. I have, I love, I love redemption stories. Um, And my life is the biggest redemption story that there is. I grew up going to church. To put it short, I probably wouldn't tell you like I was a Christian growing up. Okay, um, It didn't actually click and become real to me until last year, um, oh. which is insane. Yeah. Um, but let me give some yeah. back, back yeah. story. There's a
1: story here we need to hear. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The Lord is so kind. Uh, I am overwhelmed. I could cry at the thought of it. Just I'm overwhelmed by his goodness and his kindness. But I grew up in church, um, like loved the idea of God. Um, And I loved everything that came along with it and music. And obviously, like God is constantly pursuing after you and chasing after you, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would have encounters with people that would show me glimpses of God and I would be in church. And then, you know, everyone unfortunately goes through it there was a lot of church hurt um and it, it kind of put a bitter taste in my mouth at a very early age um my dad got really sick when i was younger he's still alive today um but that's the song sanctuary was birthed out of the pain that our family had experienced and it didn't click with me until just recently but someone had said i think it was a pastor um The way we view God is the way we view our earthly father sometimes. And for me, as a nine-year-old, when my dad was sick, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. And for me, I was like, my dad abandoned us, which he was dying in the hospital. Mm. Like He couldn't control that. Um, And so what didn't click with me was like, I thought God had abandoned me because my earthly father had abandoned me. And, you know, I was so wrong. But anyways, fast forward, my dad got healed. And again, in and out of churches, like doing the Lord's work, you know, but I was so lukewarm that Mm. I – I was one foot in, one foot out. I could give you all the right answers that you wanted to hear on Sunday morning and I could tell you that my life was going great when it was falling apart and I could tell you that I wasn't struggling with like depression or suicidal thoughts or anxiety yeah. and I just knew how to cover it up. Also, growing up in the South, we're told to button it up and no mm. one cares kind of thing. Okay. Um so, you know, I just had all of this stuff, mm-hmm. just baggage that I was carrying with me, but I was pretending And um, I remember at 18, maybe 16, 16, it was the turning point for me. I heard the first song that changed my life really was How He Loves by the David Crowder Mm, band. Yeah, I was so wrecked by that and so compelled because I had believed the lie that like, the lord didn't love me. Mm. I I believed all this stuff of like I'm not lovable, I'm not enough, I'm not worthy of these things like it's just make believe. And so I had worn that and I remember hearing that song and just absolutely losing it and crying. Um but then again, you know, I was a teenager, rebellious. I went through the phases of like I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do what I want. Definitely just shattered my own heart for mm. I don't know why, (laughs) but um, it wasn't until like last year, I again was very like in and out lukewarm. And I went through a really gut-wrenching separation in a relationship. And I remember just like the day that it happened, I was like, I feel so empty, Mm. like just completely empty. And I remember saying out loud, just looking up at the ceiling, I was like, God, I hear that you fix people and I hear that you love people and I'm tired of playing lukewarm Christian, like one foot in, one foot out. I am so broken. I need you to fix me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I surrender everything, all of my desires, all of my wants, all of my hurt. I give it all to you. I'm tired of carrying it. And literally the moment that I did that, I have never experienced so much peace in my life. And like, it, it almost felt like things had been lifted off of me and all of the stuff that I was carrying and all the words that I had let label myself, like just started to fall off of me. And I, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to go all in. Like, no questions mm-hmm. asked. I don't even care if my past is scary or broken or dirty. Like, I'm just going to go all in because here I am now. And I'm like, God can use anybody. And really, like, there's no reason to run from who you are. Just, like, come as you are. Yeah. Um, And I started to realize, like, God can use you where you're at. You just have to be vulnerable to it and honest with who you are. I know that's kind of vague, but... I am in a season of life right now where I have never been so on fire for God. And just, I call them God winks because throughout this whole time of healing and um, just devoting my life to him, it was just one wink after another. It was like, I see you, honey. Just keep on going. Just keep Uh, on going. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. And it really, man, it makes my heart race. Just, yeah, I'm grateful for what I had to walk through because I wouldn't be who I am right now.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I'm very aware of the fact that the biggest growth Experiences in our lives happen out of deep heart and pain, hurt and pain, and so mm-hmm. so that that doesn't surprise me to hear that story. But one of the questions that I ask, I want to ask, is because yeah, we do have this kind of culture right now where churches are hurting people, and mm-hmm. churches are obviously made up of messed up people trying to figure out what's going on in life. What was it about your growing up in the church that caused you to say, this really isn't something that I want for myself? I ask this as a way to encourage us to say, okay, how can we fix this moving forward so that we don't let Abby get hurt or others like Abby get hurt?
0: Yeah. You know, it took me a while and um, time really does heal things. Um, As I grow older, I'm starting to realize that, but... I had to step back and realize these are hurting people. And although these words hurt and, you know, the things they're doing hurt, um, at the end of the day, they're hurting too. (laughs) And I had to constantly remind myself, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus because men will always let you down. Mm -hmm. I, me too. I will constantly let people down. Like anybody that I know will let you down. You just have to fix your eyes on the Lord. And really like, once I started doing that, I was like, you know what? I mean, I know this is a church thing to say, but the enemy can use anybody, even your closest people to just say things. And I was like, you just have to fix your eyes on the lord really mm. like that's it so um i think just knowing and having grace and kindness and patience for people and loving them where they're at um more so in my life right now i'm starting to realize that like when people lash out in anger and stuff like that there's probably something going on inside of them and so yeah. instead of launching at them and getting mad at them it should be a what can I do for you? Like where are you at in life? How are you living? Is there anything that I can help you with? Can I pray for you? Like if you need someone to be there with you through this, I'm there. Yeah, um, I think just we need to be there for people because there's stuff going behind closed doors that we don't know about. so
1: so as you were going through this this separation that you experienced that caused you to be, okay, God, I give up, I need you. Did you have yeah. people that were speaking into your life during that time, encouraging you to to make that statement?
0: Definitely, I I had come to my friends, and I was just like, guys, like I just need I need love, I need people to be there for me. I need you to tell me exactly what I need to hear. Like, don't sugarcoat it. Just love me where I'm at, but tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly enough, I wrote a song called "Tell Me the Truth," and um, it's about that season of life that I walked out of, and you know it really was just shaking off everything that I had told myself that I was and believed that I was. And, um, you know, just realizing that the truth is found in what God says yeah. and, uh, just relying on that too. But I love my community. And I'm so grateful for them because I know it was a really hard time for everybody. Um, and just, the love that they extend it and the grace and the kindness and even the friends that would just come over and sit with me and not even say anything. Mm. I needed that more yeah. than I knew. And I'm a very independent girl. I'm like, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> my dad calls me his little bulldog, but, um, you know, shout out to my good friend Tuwaka literally would just come over and sit on the couch and we wouldn't even talk. He'd yeah. just be like, I'm just here. If you need anything. And I mean, like, we'll just start crying. And he'd be like, here's a tissue. I'm yeah. here. We don't wow. have to say anything. We don't have to talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you said something, though, that, that is interesting to me because you said you reached out to people and said, hey, I just need people in my life right now. What do you say yeah. to somebody who's not capable of doing that, who's not the bulldog, who's just <laughs> yeah. you know curled up in the fetal position at home in depression or wiped out or whatever? There's nobody that yeah. cares. There's nobody around me. What do you say to that person who doesn't have the strength to say, I need you in my life?
0: I would open my arms up on my bed if i have to just go ahead and what is that flying squirrel it mm-hmm. just say jesus please change this just take over the situation just be here with me i think we tend to get in these like little moments of like i've i'm good i'm good i'm good i rely on myself i'm good but like really rely on the lord in everything not just when you feel like it in everything and that person that's sitting in their bed with crippling depression and all this stuff i know it's hard I have been there. It's terrifying, and it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but open your hands and don't be so, like, don't hold them so tightly. Mm -hmm. Just open your hands and say, Jesus, take this. Whether that be depression, anger, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, just sadness, whatever the case may be, just God can change anything. And even if he's not there physically, he is there with you, and I know he'll meet you exactly where you're
1: at. Well, let's talk a little bit about music because we just jumped right into the deep stuff, and that often happens love, on these I just podcasts. I love it. <laughs> so, you have had some experience outside of CCM,
0: correct? Yeah.
1: Before you got to CCM, you had this vision back as a kindergartner: I'm going to be on this or uh, be singing and stuff. You had the vision as a teenager: I'm going to be on a Winter Jam stage. But you had some other journey in between there, uh, music stuff. So, talk a little bit about. The music journey that got you out from just using music as a reading tool.
0: Yeah, I had some amazing opportunities. And it started with this guy named Alec Edmond. And I met him by the grace of God. Literally, I don't know how I met him. I think we did like a cancer benefit thing together. We were singing. We were the two kids that they were like, hey, you kids sing. Like, go do a YouTube video. And if you look it up, you can find it. Okay, We're literally in like... A little children's room and like a green wall, sitting on the back of a couch, playing guitar. It's very awkward. The video is very <laughs> awkward, um, but it sounds good. And he's a phenomenal guitar player and singer. But uh, you know, we did that video, and his dad so just so happened to have um, some connections to country music, and Alec wanted to do country music, and I was just a feather in a whirlwind. Like I didn't know. <laughs> I just wanted to do music. Yeah. But uh, going back to first grade, obviously the Lord had planted it in my heart that I wanted to be in Christian music, mm-hmm. but as a teenager, I just wanted to do music. Oh, sure. Um, so we started out and uh we did one show together it was a benefit thing and uh we opened for chris cagle and i had no idea who that was and i was just like okay this is so cool like yay um and i remember in the middle of that show my pack like the guitar pack the battery in it died and you could not hear a single thing through my guitar literally it was just me speaking um and for whatever reason, I had seen a shirt earlier that week that said something like, ha awkward turtle. And it was a turtle flipped over on its back. So then I made the comment of like, ha this is awkward, like a turtle on its back. I just, I don't understand myself sometimes. <laughs> My dad was like, it was so funny. I was like, that's so awkward. Yeah. Like, why would I say that? Um, but we opened for him, and then it was just like, Hey kid, do you want to do this one? And I was like, Sure. And so we opened for Gary Allen, and then we opened for um Kip Moore. And the one that stood out to me the most, and, and again, looking back at it now at 14, doing this and being 22 and realizing the weight of what I did, mm-hmm. um, they let us open for the Beach Boys. Uh, like, wow, what? Wow. Yeah, and again. I as a little kid didn't realize how cool that was. Yeah. Um, but that also, I'm gonna share this, just was such a pivotal moment in it was a God wink. Okay. This yeah. is a God wink. Yeah. Um, I remember meeting Mike and Bruce. They hung out with us. Literally. They were like, Hey kids, like, why don't you my parents were there also, but they were okay. like, Why don't you come on our bus and we just want to talk life to you? Mm. And we're like, Okay. And um, you know, he they sat down with us and they're like you know get a college education um don't get tattoos i didn't listen to either of those (laughs) um stay in school i did finish high school (laughs) um you know and they just were like you know if this is something you want to do like pursue after it and just know that like it will happen if you put in the work and they just spoke all these cool things over us and um Bruce Johnson went out to the crowd and went to his own merch table and bought me and Alec t-shirts and CDs and signed them and gave them to us and then stood on the side of the stage and watched our whole entire set. Wow. And then we got off the stage and he was like, yo, kids, that was really good. Obviously, he's older. He probably didn't say yo, but he was like, hey, kids, <laughs> like that was really good. And, you know, he gave us pointers and what he would change and we were so young, but I mean, it was so cool. And then he brought us back up on stage to sing with him. Wow! Like, I, just looking back at it, I'm like, whoa. <laughs>
1: There's not very many people that could say the Beach Boys helped mentor my career.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I got. I guess I got that one. Call the World Record Book or something, because <laughs> I. I mean, like. My mom, she's so funny. This is just how little Abby used to think. Um, Apparently, before they were talking to us, um, we were taking pictures backstage with some people. And I don't know what came over me, but I looked at one of the Beach Boys. I said, do you want to take your picture with us? And you could see my mom's face just flush. She was like, no, no, no. You want your photo with them. They do not want their photo with you. And I was like, I don't know who this is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, but yeah, so (laughs) we got to do that. That was a really impactful time in my life. And, um, You know, then something happened with that and music kind of stopped. And as a little kid, some advice I got was never let your highs get too high and your lows get too low. Just Mm. always ride a steady wave because then you won't be overly excited and then disappointed if something happens. And you won't be super disappointed if you get a no first and Mm -hmm. then you get a yes. So you're not messing with your emotions kind of thing. And some people will debate that, but I think that has just been such a steady for me. Just like always ride this because you never know when something could happen Mm -hmm. just ride it at like jesus if this is where you want me i'll go there if not i trust you yeah so i've been living that out but i remember as a little kid i did not take it well and those things started to fall through i had a country music deal here in nashville um and it they closed the company and i Mm. just was like i'm done Mm. my hands are done i'm done with music and i was so jaded by it and it wasn't until i was 16 when um, I heard how he loves, I actually got asked to do an altar call song for, um, a guy named Alan Green and he used to own lifelight festival in South Dakota. Okay. And he just picked me out and was like, Hey kid, would you like to come to South Dakota? And he knew I sang, he was like, do you want to come do my altar call song? And I was like, sure. And it was that night. I mean, like so many, so many people, yeah. I, I, I. I don't even know, probably over 30,000 people, like tons of people in this field in South Dakota. And I, I played the song. And again, I was so lukewarm, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I got off stage and I looked at my mom and I was like, I didn't realize there were that many Christians left in the world. Wow. And we're only in South Dakota, wow. you know, like, yeah. could you imagine what God sees when he looks down at the earth? Um, But it was in that moment of me singing those words to other people that it was coming over me. And I was like, I am starting to believe this stuff. Mm. And I think in that time, it was the active pursuit of God after me. And it, it wasn't until then, And so um, that led to opportunities of going overseas and leading worship. So I got to go to Africa and I got to go to um, Israel and I sang in Bethlehem. Yeah, Yeah, with the same guy. Um, And I met so many cool people like the Luis Palau Ministries was there Mm -hmm. and the Reed Saunders Association was there. And all of these men just were speaking so much life into me. And again, I wasn't living right, but I needed to hear those things. And it was just so cool to see how God again aligns things um so we're going all over the country basically just singing in malta and um i already said africa but like haiti and the dr and costa rica and i'm like living the dream you know i'm like oh this is fun i'm in high school still i'm traveling it looks cool on instagram but it was the things that god was weaving together that was like this is going to have an impact. You just don't know it yet. This is going to change your life. You just don't know it yet. This conversation is going to switch your perspective. You just don't know it yet. And, um, so that kind of started and I moved to Tennessee, um, in 2019 and, um, literally my manager now, who also is the label head, Mm -hmm. um, we sat in, the conference room of my old apartment and we just started dreaming and I was like you know I feel like I'm supposed to be in Christian music but I was also pretty angsty still and I was on my own finally and I was like but I want to do pop music Mm -hmm. and he was like why don't you do pop music but make it about Jesus and I was so just broken on the inside I was like no I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. and he's like Abby I think you should reconsider and I was like I don't need anybody tell me what to do. Like just <laughs> yeah. Just so sassy about it. And um I literally just sat in bed and I was like, okay, maybe I am supposed to be doing this. But then mm. again, i was still fighting myself. Yeah. Um went through what I went through in 2020, and I know everyone had a terrible year of 2020, yeah. but uh ended up signing a record deal with my now label Big Future mm-hmm. Music Group in November, which was exactly 2 months after my old life had fallen apart and God created a new one and I signed a deal as a CCM artist and I had actually some depth behind me now and I had things that I needed to say and I had just a burning passion for the Lord inside of me. And I was like, I got to do this. I have to be in CCM music. I have to make music about the Lord. He's got a story inside of me and I have to have someone hear it. And my brother and I joke all the time. He called me this morning and he was like, I'm so excited for you to go on the road. And I was like, me too. And he's like, what are you looking forward to? And I was like, to go fishing. And he was (laughs) like, fishing for men. And I was like, fishing for men. Um, (laughs) But it's just really cool. Like I had all of that fun, cool success and um, just life lessons throughout the years. And I'm grateful for all of it because it's made me who I am and given me a better understanding of the music industry. But I'm so excited for this coming year and just how God took 2021 and was like, no, this is exactly where you had to be. And, you know, it took some time, but you're here now. And so here I am now in Christian music and I'm putting out songs that I have so much meaning behind and. I literally tell my team all all the time, I'm like, I just want it to mean something. Mm -hmm. And I really stand by it. Like, I don't want to put music out if I don't have a story with it. Like, I want to be able to tell you why I wrote that song. Yeah. Um, And so far I've had the opportunity to be able to share my testimony and all of it. Yeah, it's so cool. It's literally my life is just like, wait, what? (laughs) And then it's like, how do you see all these things happen? And then say, God's not real. Like. It's so evident in my life that the Lord is so real. So I'm, look, I'm just, I'm letting God use me. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm confused when people are like, we want to talk to you. We want to interview you. We want to work with you. And I'm like, I don't know why, but okay, yeah. God, it. that's where you want me to go, let's
1: go. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to talk about some of the songs here in just a little bit, but something that just, yeah. this whole journey that you've done is you have this knowledge of Jesus and this awareness mm. of him wanting you. And you're following the things you're supposed to do. I use air quotes. Yeah. And yet you're not. Your heart isn't hundred percent sold on Jesus. Yeah. That's an interesting crazy, thing. right? <laughs> That's an interesting thing to me. I, you know, usually you hear people. Well, I'm gonna. Yeah, I know about God, but I'm gonna go do my thing. I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna do that. But to continue to travel and to, you know, to travel with Reed, Luis, and some of these other people. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think caused you to do that instead of just saying no? I'm going to go out and do the bar scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, i I saw Jesus and the people that I was around. Hmm. I just didn't believe that it could happen to me. Hmm. I just, I like, I didn't believe that like God could actually love someone like me or use someone like me. But I was like, you know, I hear and see that you've done it to other people. And so I'm going to keep surrounding myself with them and um I, yeah, I just I just didn't believe it.
1: So you were hungry and you were so, searching but you just couldn't you couldn't latch onto it as for your own.
0: Yeah, and I think too this is going to sound so strange, but you might understand it. It's kind of like I was starving and I was like feeding myself, but then the moment that I would detach from those people, I would just start starving again mm. because I wasn't actively like trying to feed myself. Um, and so I kind of was like eating the scraps of like what people would give me. Like I was so hungry for it that they would throw a little bone my way and I would devour it and then it would be like, oh, now it's gone. I guess I should go somewhere else and find more but I wasn't sold on it, which yeah. is so sad. But like, you know, look at me now, like God God can do anything. And I just think it's cool. I know people are always so concerned about time and oh, well, there's not enough time and we got to do this now. And what if you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, God is so patient. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. took a while for me to come back around to him, but he's like, you know what? I love you, go figure it out. And then when you don't figure it out, I'll be right here. And it, it's just the kindness of the Lord. That's honestly it.
1: I love that statement. I want to let it sink in. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. And when you're ready to come around, I'm here. Yeah. love
0: that it's so true it's so true literally there's nothing that i could have done to make him love me any less
2: yeah it's
0: just the the lies of the world that we buy into and tell ourselves and like i look at it now and i'm like the lord is so excited when people come back to him like it's not and it's not a shame thing he's not shaming you like yeah at all, it talks about it in the Bible all the time. Like He doesn't shame people; He went and sat with them. He shared a meal with them. Something I learned this year was you became friends or family with that person when you shared a meal with them. Mm, yeah. And to think that God was sharing meals with like um, sinners and prostitutes and beggars and you know people that killed people and stone like it's just. The Lord was like no this is these are my people too yeah. like I love them where they're at and we're gonna share a meal and that just changed my whole look on everything yeah.
1: well let's talk a little bit about the the music as I was researching and getting ready for this I read a, the story yeah. and you've briefly alluded to this earlier the story behind the song sanctuary and I thought yes, that was such yes. a powerful story I'd love for you to share that with our listeners uh, this this song came out of a of that situation where your dad Was very sick, and you thought Mm -hmm. he'd abandoned you. Talk a little bit about that time and how that spread this song.
0: Man, this song was a song that took six and a half years to write.
1: Mm.
0: Like, uh, let's start with a story, and we'll get into the song because, again, the Lord's timing is really amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I remember exactly where I was when we got the phone call. For a backstory, like you said, my dad was really sick, um, and this is what started it. We got a phone call, and it was my mom and me and her best friend. We were in a storage unit, and um, my dad and her husband and the boys, so like my brother and his her kids, mm-hmm. they were out playing um, baseball. My mom answered the phone, and then two seconds later was on the ground crying, mm-hmm. And we were all just like, the moms were taking care of it, but I was just like, what is happening? And it was like, we have to go, we need to get in the car now, we have to drive, and I was so confused. And I ended up staying with her friend, and um, I'll never forget it, it was so much fun. I got like go snacks and (laughs) go-gurts, and you know, I had no clue what was happening. I just knew something was off, but they were taking care of it. What had happened was my dad fell over on the baseball field, um, not unconscious, just screaming in pain, and his stomach started to rise. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember them saying it looked like he was like six months pregnant, and it was just rising. And they rushed him to the hospital, and basically, like they said, we have no idea what's going on. He's we we don't know what to do. Um, And so they came back to our hometown. And they put him in the hospital and, like, started to treat him and stuff like that. And they found out that he had his large intestine and small intestine ruptured. He had diverticulitis. He had his appendix rupture. They thought he had lung cancer. And it was some other stuff in the middle of all of this. And so, I mean… In and out of doctors. They got his appendix fixed. They got his uh, large and small intestine fixed. The only thing they couldn't figure out how to fix was the diverticulitis. And so it was something inside of him that just kept on popping mm-hmm. yeah. and like filling his body with like all of these toxins yeah. and basically killing him. I just like, I don't, I didn't know what to think. Yeah. I was living with my grandparents when my mom was busy at the hospital staying by my dad i saw my brother but like it was very odd like we wouldn't talk about it um everyone tried their best to just pretend that nothing was happening and in my mind this goes back to the whole i thought god had abandoned me because my dad i was like i just saw my dad and he was fine and now he's not in the picture anymore and there's chaos around us so he abandoned us which was not the case um but uh yeah. So he got really sick and all of this is happening. And in the middle of that, they cleared him. They kept sending him home. They're like, he's just going to die. Like prepare for a funeral. Um, in the middle of all of that, we had a family function that we had to go to. And my mom was like, is he okay to drive? And she was like, the doctors were like, yeah, I think so. And so she said, we're just going to go then. We're going to pretend that everything's fine. We're going to get in the car. We're going to drive to this family function. And so Virginia to South Carolina is a hike. I think it yeah. was like over eight hours. And it was the most miserable drive ever. Like I've never been on a road trip where I was like, God, come back. <laughs> like <laughs> we can go now. Yeah. Um. We ended up pulling up to this hotel and beautiful, right? Like the most beautiful hotel on the beach. And when most people would be having the time of their lives with their family at this beautiful hotel, I just remember like our lives were just falling apart. My dad was dying in front of my eyes. Like it was anything but beautiful. Um, And we got up to the room and I remember my dad like exiting, basically going to the bathroom. And my mom was crying and my brother was frantic in the corner, just acting really quiet and distant. And I'm just sitting there like, what is going on? Like, where, where are you, God? What the heck is happening? Um, And my mom, she sat down on the bed like next to me and reached in the bedside table and pulled out that Bible. And I don't know if they still have them anymore, but she was saying, I want a glimmer of hope. I just want, I want to know that God is here in this moment. And so she started to flip in the Bible in Psalms and um, she threw her hand down on Psalms 150 and this is broken. I'm paraphrasing it, but basically in it, it says, lift your hands and praise him in the sanctuary. And my mom very aggressively was like, lift our hands now. We g- we have to lift our hands. Like, we mm-hmm. have to praise God. Yeah. And I was defiant. My brother did it. My mom was doing it. And I was like, no. And she was like, we have to lift our hands. Wow. And so we lifted up our hands. And I-, I don't even remember, just like a blackout moment after that. I don't remember what happened. Um, but all of that to say, the hotel that we were in was called The Sanctuary. Oh, wow. And... The verse that she flipped to was saying, Lift your hands and praise Him in the sanctuary. You gave me a place. that would be a God wink for me of like, you can't say that God doesn't see you when something like that is so evident. Yeah. Like it, it was the most broken situation, but he met us exactly where we are and just like comforted us in that brokenness and was like, I see you just give it to me. Wow. And so it was such a crazy, t- just crazy time of life and crazy thing. And my dad is a hundred percent. Well, he's healthy as if nothing ever happened to him you would never know um doesn't have any health issues now completely fine but this song took so long to write and we started writing it um i think i was 16 or 17 and it was my mom's idea and she was like we should start writing about this and i was so hurt by it still and lukewarm that i was like no I don't want to talk about that. I don't want, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to know that we went through that. I had just shut that whole thing off. Like that whole aspect of my life as if it never happened. I didn't want to tell anyone about it because I felt shame. Mm. And, um, we started to write it. I, it it was just, you know, it wasn't a good song. (laughs) I'll tell you that. (laughs) my heart wasn't in it. You could tell the words were kind of forced, but I, I started to play the song out and about. And, um, I met a guy named Kevin Mack and Tyrus Morgan here in town. And they had set up a co-write with me. Again, very confused as to why they wanted to work with me. but mm-hmm. They wanted to.
1: God and wink. um yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously, though. Yeah. And I, I get into the room with them. And they're like, what do you want to write about? I have this song. I don't know why I'm showing it to you. But I think there's something to it. Would you guys mind listening to it? And so I start to play the song for them. And Tyrus just looks at me and goes, play that chorus again. I start playing the chorus and he's like, yeah, play it one more time. And I was like, okay. And then Kevin and Tyrus kind of just looked at each other and gave each other like this little like side smile, Mm -hmm. like a nod thing. And they look back at me and they're like, would you be okay to rewrite this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, actually I have. I have more understanding for what I went through now. I would love to rewrite it and actually put some heart into it. And so we started to rewrite it. And just like raw emotion was just coming out of the song. And I was telling them like, this is how I felt. And I never told anyone. And this is where I was at. And I felt like, you know, when the waves are crashing around me that like I was going under, but really I wasn't kind of thing. And so we started to rewrite it, and uh, afterwards we were just all so ecstatic. We could tell that the Lord was in the room that day, and um, you know we had the song. And this was the summer of July twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. And again, it kind of just sat around, and I was like, okay, we have this song. I don't know what's happening, um, and just. God is so cool because mm. the song came out uh February 12th of 2021 but when we got the master back it was literally the same week that I had just come out of that really gut-wrenching heartbreak mm. and I just cried, like sobbing. I was like, you know what? In the chorus, it's like, wherever I am, there you are. Whenever I fall, it's into your arms. I just cried because like, God is so cool. I needed that song. He
1: gave you your song back. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: And it, although it was an experience that happened in the life of my family and I, yeah. it was something that I needed in that moment. And again, like I said earlier in the podcast, it, it it's something that I didn't know that I needed, but I needed it. Yeah. And it was like, you still see me. You are my sanctuary. You are a safe place for me to run to no matter what the case. And so the song happened to come out. um, And since then, God has just been wowing our whole team and me and constantly just like, what is happening? What is happening? Like since we put it out, it's just been a crazy on track. And I am so grateful for everybody that worked on that song with me and believed in it and just all of the opportunities that are happening right now, just mind-blowing.
1: Every Saturday, we send out a prayer letter to a number of people who are praying for people in the music industry. How specifically can we be praying for you in the weeks and the months ahead
0: yeah you guys have asked me for prayer requests before and um, i suffer with panic attack disorder and it is awful i had a physical this morning and she's like oh you've been dealing with this for eight years and i was like that is eight years too long (laughs) that's too much right there um so definitely for that i just you know that is not from the lord whatsoever and it's very difficult to deal with at times but More so now than anything, um, I got into a serious car accident back in September of 2020 and because of that I now have some spinal and nerve damage, um, and I have been in and out of the hospital secretly without telling anybody really besides my team and my friends, um, just dealing with, uh, very bad problems in my back. I've had a few procedures now and um, it makes walking really hard and getting out of bed really difficult. And um, just this week, I know it's, you know, the enemy at his best right now just trying to come down right before winter jam but um just this week i've been experiencing pain again and it's shooting through my legs and it really does just take over and um i want to be a hundred percent to do the lord's work and uh give it all on winter jam so i I need prayer for that. Like, I believe that God can and will, like, fix it and heal it. Um, But I need some brothers and sisters to come beside me and just pray for that because it's a nasty thing to deal with. And uh, I have some, you know, positive outlooks on it. But uh, yeah, I will always ask for prayer for that.
1: What kind of tough experiences are you going through? What things have you questioning and doubting today? Do you feel like you're at the end of your rope and there just isn't much left to hang on to? Abby shared in her story about the importance of opening her arms up to Jesus and saying, Jesus, please change this. Take over my situation. Please be with me. And for Abby, that healing was helped by physically raising her hands in the sanctuary, the hotel that just happened to have the same name as the scripture her mom found in Psalms lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Now, I don't believe that there is anything mystical about choosing the right words to say or a specific posture that you should take when talking to God. But I am convinced by my own experiences that sometimes my posture physically helps my posture emotionally and mentally as well. Sometimes being on my knees or raising my hands up helps get my heart in the position where I can see what God is doing or saying directly to me. Psalm 10:17 says, Lord, surely you hear the cries of the hopeless and you comfort them. In Exodus 3, the Lord says, I've surely seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cries of distress. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. So whatever you're going through right now, I encourage you to open your arms lift your hands and just cry out, Jesus, I need you. I need you to change the situation. I need you to provide healing and to encourage me. I need you to be my sanctuary. And I'm confident that God will hear you and he will answer you. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at Exchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website, christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this, God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you.